You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi, riding solo, genuinely solo. Usually I either try and make some foolish joke or say that I have a guest coming on. Not today. No, Taylor. He is at the Diamondbacks World Series game. Very tough to blame Taylor for not being here today. This is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity for him as it relates to seeing the Diamondbacks in the World Series. I mean, the last time they were there was, let's see, 21 years ago, 22 years ago. So I suppose he would have to wait, you know, another 22 years by that math. But cannot blame the man for going to the Diamondbacks game. He's going with a friend of ours who bartered with him. And Taylor ended up giving him Arizona basketball tickets to the Southern game. So Arizona versus Southern and Taylor ends up getting tickets to the Arizona Diamondbacks world series game. Truly one of the most lopsided trades I've ever seen in my entire life. Just a terrible decision, honestly, from this friend who I'm, I'm keeping nameless because you, you don't know who he is, but also it's such an absurdly bad trade that, People might want to find out his name and, and and give him grief. It's that bad. But anyway, Taylor is at the Diamondbacks game. Uh, go Snakes, hoping they can rally and make this a good series. But at the end of the day, I don't mind the Rangers either. But that's where Taylor is at. Uh, we're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day is Brett Blizzard. Awesome name, first and foremost. All-time name team. Uh, But if that name doesn't ring a bell, Brett Blizzard has quite quite a college basketball career, right? He made his name at UNC Wilmington from 1999 to 2003. And here's his highlights and awards. It's really, really impressive. He's a two-time AP honorable mention for the All-America team in 02-03. He's the two-time Colonial Athletic Player of the Year. So that should tell you folks that we are in our second half of mid-major previews. And of course, that includes the CAA, which I, it's going to take me some getting used to. I know it's now the Coastal Athletic Conference or Association, but I might just call it the CAA. All right. That'll be easier. That'll be like me weaning myself off of the colonial. So he was a two-time CAA player of the year, four-time first team, all CAA, two-time CAA, all defensive team, CAA rookie of the year, and a three-time CAA tournament MVP. I mean, this guy is one of the greatest college basketball players that conference has seen And certainly, UNC Wellington has seen. Also, a great alliterative name, Brett Blizzard. And here in Chicago, we don't have a blizzard, but it is is flurrying. As I'm recording this, excuse me, it is flurrying right now. Um, So that means weather's right around the corner. Brett Blizzard, he is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feat is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. 
Okay, folks. October is over. November is here. I cannot believe it. This is the last episode of the offseason. We have real basketball starting next week. Enough of the secret scrimmages. Enough of, honestly, our previews. This upcoming Monday, the 6th, is when we're going to find out and learn about teams. And folks are going to overreact, certainly. But we get real hoops, real basketball. And that's what we're all so excited about. That's what we've been waiting for. We've been fiending for, really, ever since UConn cut down the nets. We are back, folks. And it's a heavy, heavy slate. Let me make this point, though. Uh, and and it's, it's not... It's not a new point that that I'm making here. This isn't some groundbreaking take, but college basketball, I think, needs to have a better opening slate as it relates to enticing matchups. I think the only enticing matchup that I'm I'm looking forward to uh, for a ranked team, I should say, is USC Kansas State, and that kind of took a hit with Naquan Tomlin getting suspended indefinitely for a alleged brawl in Manhattan. But Jerome Tang has indefinitely suspended him. And that's going to be, that's going to be a pain for the Wildcats to deal with this close to the season. But USC Kansas state is the one big draw of the opening night. You look at other sports. And if, if we were to just make a corollary with college football, there's usually a top five, two top five, two top 10 teams, going at it. And I think feast week is really college basketball's coming out party. People have these different timelines and these different periods for, Oh, this is when college basketball takes over. Is it after the super bowl? Uh, is it feast week? Like I had mentioned, I think it, I think it is feast week. You're never going to like, I guess the general public and, and the more casual fans, and this isn't a knock, but the more casual fans tune into college basketball, post Super Bowl because you have about three weeks to get prepped for March and the NCAA tournament. But when you hear Dan Shulman and Jay Billis, and when you have the college football guys in Madison square garden or whatever venue it is breaking down live or breaking at halftime of college basketball games, the college football playoff, that's kind of when I, I feel like college basketball has really arrived and is in that rotation of sports watching for fans, right? Football, college football, and I mean, baseball will be done. And then, you know, college basketball, but the issue is that there's not very many enticing matchups on night one. And there used to be the 24 hour hoops marathon, which I used to love. And maybe I, cause I'm a sick puppy, but it helped train me for big West 11 PM tip offs. When I got to watch like Hawaii at 2 a.m. And I'm just running on adrenaline of it being the first day of college basketball. I miss those days. I really do. But regardless, college basketball back November 6th. And we're going to dive into the mid-majors here, the second half of the mid-major preview uh, from a couple episodes ago. So let us start first with the C. AA again, still trying to wean myself off of the Colonial Athletic Association. Well, first of all, I've been calling it the Colonial Athletic Conference, it's not even that. 
Colonial Athletic Association, now the Coastal Athletic Association. Uh, but again, the CAA, if we start with champion, I'm going to have to go with Charleston. Pat Kelsey coming off of an absurdly great season, arguably the best in that school's history. So can he repeat this? Can he take it to the next level, which is actually just repeating? I, I got, and, and maybe it's winning a NCAA tournament game. But in order to do that in this conference, you have to win it outright again. Antti Brzevich, the, the big man in the middle, he's going to have to be relied upon. He's He went through those battles last year. I'm expecting to see him in a greater role. Uh, excited to see him back in the middle there. There is going to be a need for freshmen to step up, though. They have four freshmen um, on the roster. So I'm looking to see how they can answer the bell and answer the call that Pat Kelsey is going to request. They also have four juniors, but the pressure and the competition will be there. Hofstra, that's always a battle. And just don't forget about Drexel. Drexel's not going to make the tournament. This is going to be a one-bid league like it was last year. You're going to have to win the conference tournament. And if we remember last year, folks were wondering, hey, if Charleston loses in the conference tournament, are they are they in as an at-large? And people had a toss-up. And I think they only lost two or three games. That's how little margin of error there is. And that's not news, but just don't forget about the likes of Hofstra or Drexel. Again, I don't think Drexel's going to go to the NCAA tournament. I don't foresee them being so good that they get an at-large. Uh, but I also don't see them winning this conference tournament in the Jerome. Maybe my tune will change. Hofstra, I could see winning the conference tournament. Uh, but just don't forget about those teams. I am going to stick with Charleston, though, because of what an outrageously great season it was last year. I think they can. I think they can repeat. Let's move on now to the CAA Coach of the Year. I'm going to have a little fun with this. All right, I might be a little illogical, but I'm really convincing myself into some of these names and these transfers and even players of the year here for this second part of our mid-major previews. And for CAA Coach of the Year, I'm going to go Zach Spiker. That's right. I told you just not too long ago to watch out for Drexel. And this is the head coach of Drexel. It feels very easy to give it to Pat Kelsey, but I, I want it. I want to go with Spiker. All right, Speedy Claxton is another good choice. But I think he needs to win the conference, and I think he needs to win and advance to the NCAA tournament. I think Hofstra needs to hear their name for sure, automatically qualified, and hear their name mentioned by, by Greg Gumbel. If Pat Kelsey takes his team to the NCAA tournament again, I don't think it's an automatic guarantee that he wins Coach of the Year. Drexel has been so out of the fold that if the Dragons finish top three, which I think they can, and I think they will, I think Zach Spiker, the native of Morgantown, he gets coach of the year. And who knows, in my wildest, wildest imagination, if Zach Spiker can win a coach of the year and put together a couple of good seasons, maybe he's in the fold for a head coach at West Virginia, depending on what they do with uh, Eilert there. Again, this is all pie in the sky. This is all me just taking wild guesses. But for now, 
I think Zach Spiker is going to win uh, coach of the year in the CAA because Drexel, I think, will finish at number three. Now, they are such a small team. I think they only have one player at 6'10". I mean, my God, this is a small team, but it is a veteran group. They only have one true freshman uh, for the Dragons. So I'm hoping that Drexel can ride that that experience that they have. I think they'll push Charleston, and I think they'll push Hofstra in their games during the regular season. I think they're going to be closer than we expect. I think they might win a couple games in their conference tournament, and that should be enough for Zach Spiker to win Coach of the Year. If we go Player of the Year, I am going to go with Tyler Thomas. So I've spread this out. I've spread out these awards amongst Charleston, who I think will win the conference. Zach Spiker at Drexel, who I think will win Coach of the Year. And now Player of the Year, you have to give love to the Hofstra product, Tyler Thomas. He actually had some solid years at Sacred Heart, transferred to Hofstra last year, and was a part of their run to the tournament title game, which was a great game a game in which Charleston was was pushed. He averaged 16 and 4 last year, but I'm expecting him to improve a little bit more on those numbers and limiting the turnovers. If they want to win the conference, he's going to have to do both of those things. He's going to have to up his averages of scoring, he's going to have to facilitate a little bit more, and he's going to have to cut down on the turnovers. Uh, again, I'm not necessarily sure if I see them winning this conference, certainly not in the regular season, maybe though, in the conference tournament. The sum of the parts is greater for Charleston, but I think Tyler Thomas can be the best player uh, in this conference. And that's especially true because it's wide open now that two-time conference player of the year, Aaron Estrada, is in the SEC with Bama, and and he's left Hofstra. So I'm going to go with Tyler Thomas as my CAA player of the year. Now, my all-transfer team, let's start off with Xander Rice. Zander, Zander Rice transfers from Bucknell to Monmouth. He's gradually improved his scoring ability throughout time and throughout his career. He's pretty lights out from the line. Uh, so if he gets to the free throw line, I think he's shooting 85%, 85 to 90%, which is very valuable in tight games and in the collegiate game. I expect him to have the ball in his hands running the offense there for Monmouth. So give me Xander Rice to kick off the all-transfer team. From there, I'm going to go with Messiah Jones. Terrific name, all-name team, alongside Brett Blizzard. Uh, he's a transfer from Wofford coming to Towson, a sturdy forward that can bring toughness but also efficiency. I think he's shooting 63% from the field, which is wildly impressive. I mean, very, very impressive. Uh, his freshman year, he shot 70% from the field. I don't even know how that's how that's possible in any division one conference, in any division one school shooting 70% from the, from the field for an entire season. I don't care about number of attempts. <laughs> like this is impressive. Can he creep up to flirting with a double, double? I'm not asking him to get a double, double, but maybe like 10 and eight, 10 and seven for Messiah Jones uh, at Towson. I like him as a, as an impactful transfer. Another great name, Jocko Fritz. Transfer from Canisius to Hofstra, the Flying Dutchman at 6'10". He should be averaging close to a double-double with that height. He's not doing that just yet, but I want to see Mr. Fritz 
average a double double. He needs to be more uh, a more productive shot blocker, in my estimation, or gobble up more rebounds. Pick one or the other, Mister Fritz. Uh, either protect the rim better or get more rebounds. That is going to propel you to that next level. And and again, this is all necessary for Hofstra to challenge for that CAA title. And it's all necessary for them to play their best basketball come conference tournament time. Because again, if I'm Hofstra, if I'm any of these teams, even Charleston, you want to use the regular season and rack up wins, but you're not going to get an at-large bid. So you need to be playing your absolute apex best ball come conference tournament time. I need Jocko Fritz to be anchoring that front line. If you can give him senior leadership production and help, uh, then I think Hofstra is going to be that much more of a threat. So Jocko Fritz, another transfer that needs that needs uh, recognition. Next, I'm going to go Dean Knoll, the transfer from Cornell to Stony Brook. Hey, shout out Jalen Avery, one of the best young coaches in college basketball. He was kind enough to join us on theater and college hoops here in the off season. I'm excited to see how Dean Knoll progresses under Jalen's tutelage. I'm sure he's been hands-on with him. Uh, Dean's played in high pressure situations before. If you think about playing in the Ivy league, it, it, it if you think about it, like it, it, it doesn't get much more cutthroat than playing Ivy league basketball. I mean, not even everyone makes their conference tournament. So high pressure situations from that aspect, Dean Knoll's been there. I'm excited to see uh, again what he can contribute there to Stony Brook as they continue to build and build and uh, move up the ranks here in the CAA. It's still a, a very new program there for Stony Brook. And again, excited to see Jalen Avery on the big stage, wishing him nothing but the best of luck. Last but not least, gosh, this, this transfer team is just filled with all name guys. Gerald Drumgool Jr. I need you to say that fast. Gerald Drumgool Jr., he started at Pitt, then went to Albany, and he has now found a home at Delaware. He only shot 38% from the field last year, which uh, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty bad for a guard, but he was also a very big contributor for the Danes, averaging 15, 5, and 3. Jameer Nelson Jr., he is no longer there for the Blue Hens. He's at TCU, so there's going to be plenty, plenty of opportunity for Mr. Drumgold Jr. to really make his mark in the CAA. So my all-transfer team, Xander Rice, Messiah Jones, Jocko Fritz, Dean Knoll, and Gerald Drumgold Jr. We got Pat Kelsey winning coach of the year. Or excuse me, we have Charleston winning. That might might have been a Freudian slip. We got Charleston winning the regular season title. Zach Spiker, Drexel winning coach of the year. And Tyler Thomas from Hofstra, he's going to win player of the year. Let's move on now to the whack, the whack attack, baby. This is, I mean, if you think I am a, I am a, a shameless individual that only gives shout outs to his guys and those that made time to come onto the podcast, you're absolutely right. And I'm going to do that again with the whack. Although I will say the numbers and the analysis and really just the talent is going to back me up on some of these picks, but let me tell you folks, a lot of these winners are going to be residing in Phoenix and that's going to be grand Canyon. Let's start with them as the WAC champion, the Lopes Lopes up, baby. Be serious. I had Casey Shaw on an assistant coach. I had Mark Rogers on last year, who was then at Wyoming made the transition over to GCU. 
I, and, and I love what Bryce, uh, what Bryce drew has been doing. I think GCU can be one of the best AQ teams and honestly knock off a team in the first round. I, I, I think they're maybe a top 75, top 80 team. And so when you think about it like that, if, and when GCU wins the whack, that's going to be a nightmare matchup for whomever they're playing in the first round. So I think GCU is that good of a team. Gabe McLaughlin, Gabe McLaughlin, excuse me. He's a senior who has just improved year over year after year. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table here with that veteran role that he's about to assume. GCU has the best crowd in the conference and honestly might be better than a lot of schools in the entire country. I think Andy Katz rated them a top 10 student section uh, in the country. So they have that going for them. Bryce Drew has proven that he can take teams to the tournament. They're a veteran group with experience. I think, I mean, they didn't win it last year, but Utah Valley has run this conference the last couple of years. Mark Matson's gone. They've lost some serious talent. This is GCU's time. And I think we're going to see a, a team that's going to kind of be a buzzsaw. All right. The way we were talking about College of Charleston last year, I think we might have something along those same lines with GCU. I don't really see a, a opponent of theirs or a challenger that is all that close. I got GCU winning this conference by a few games. Coach of the year. We're staying there. Bryce Drew. I think he's the perfect guy to lead this program. He's been at a high major school. He's been at a low major school, right, with Valpo and Vandy. And now I think he's found a sweet spot with the Lopes. And I think this is the perfect year. Like the the, the ingredients are perfect. He's got wonderful talent. He's got buy-in. He's built up this program over the last few years. And then it's a weaker, it's a weaker whack. It is. It's a weaker conference. And so this is kind of one of those deals where you just say to Bryce Drew, you got to strike while the iron's hot, pal. This is your time. Go out, sweep these awards uh, by you winning coach of the year. And the only way you do that, winning the conference. And I say sweep these awards because player of the year is going to be Rayshon Harrison. Casey Shaw actually talked about him earlier uh, when I asked him about breakout players or folks that maybe we don't know about that we will know about. And the first name that popped into it, popped out of his mouth is Rayshon Harrison. Let's think about who left Taron Armstrong, the Taron, the Tasmanian, really a, a guy that everyone was excited about, but he went pro and I don't blame him for doing that. But Ray Harrison has is a potential NBA player. He's a potentially drafted type of player. Again, if you remember what Casey Shaw said earlier this offseason, he was saying that Ray was getting some draft advice. Okay. You only get draft advice if you could potentially be a drafted guy, right? There are some folks that don't even get that far. Ray Harrison is by far the best player in this conference. He's an elite scorer of the basketball, averaging nearly 20 points last year. Can he become a bit more efficient? I think he can. I think there is still some untapped potential there for an already great player. Uh, I don't know if there's a close second, again, to, to best player in the, in the conference here. So this is a clean sweep for the major awards. Coach of the year, it's got to be Bryce Drew. Player of the year, I'm going with Rayshon Harrison. And the champ, having those two and Gabe McLaughlin, it's GCU. Moving on now to the transfers in the WAC, my favorite transfers and those that I'm looking forward to the most. Let's start with Philip Russell. Transfer for, from St. Louis. Then he goes to SEMO, spent a lot of time there, obviously in Missouri. 
And now he's at UT Arlington. Again, let me be shameless. I got a Jeremy Pope connection. Shout out coach Jeremy Pope, who came out of the program last year when he was with Portland has since migrated to UT Arlington. I'm sure he's been working with Philip, but Philip Russell is another elite scorer of the ball, averaging nearly 20. He can distribute really well, tremendous passer, and he's going to be finding the open men there at UT Arlington. Question is, can he shoot a better percentage from the field? I think he needs to be less of a volume guy and allow the game to come to him. A lot of these programs, I mean, St. Louis, it's a, it's a tremendous program. SEMO, hey, they made an awesome, fun run to the tournament last year. But that and UT Arlington, I mean, I, I just want to make sure Philip lets the game come to him as opposed to trying to assume uh, the, the number one role and, and, and push it, if you will. He's got the A-10 talent there. So I'm excited to see what Philip Russell can do. And again, shout out Coach Jeremy Pope. I'm sure he's coaching up Philip Russell. We'll move on now to Brantley Stevenson, the Cal. He's just transferring between Cal Cal schools, Cal Poly to be exact, to Cal Baptist. His relatively pedestrian stats, if I'm being honest with you, and he's looking to potentially backfill that Taron Armstrong role, which are monster, monster shoes to fill. But Brantley Stevenson does bring experience to this club that'll help with them. I'm looking forward to him becoming more of a facilitator for his team. So what can Brantley Stevenson do as it relates to potentially filling that void that Armstrong left uh, in his wake? Drake Allen transfer from Southern Utah to Utah Valley, pretty balanced player. Uh, I like, I like how balanced Drake Allen is averaging 11, four and four last year. There's going to be a bit of a rebuild though for Utah Valley. And again, I talk about some casual fans, some that may not, pay attention to the game. Utah Valley really was a buzzsaw the last couple of years. They've been the class of the whack the last few years. They got absolutely stunned last year in the conference tournament, I believe it was. But Mark Matson did such a wonderful job with them, and there's no wonder why he got the Cal job. You don't just go from a smaller whack school to a power school like Cal uh, without having put a lot on tape. And Utah Valley, this is going to be a bit of a rebuild for them. How's Drake Allen going to contribute to a team that has experienced this success uh, when he's coming over from Southern Utah? Again, they're without Madsen, so we're going to have to see how that impacts them. But Drake Allen, I am excited to see. uh, Maybe he can continue his balanced production while increasing uh, his role. Next up, we go Frank Stain. Transfer from Utah Tech to Stephen F. Austin. Tough-minded player who is a defensive guy, first and foremost, has very active hands, jumps passing lanes. Can he increase his production in steals? I believe he can. I think this is a wonderful fit for the Jacks. And and Stephen F. Austin, they could challenge to be at the top of the league. Uh, It'll be imperative, though, that Frank Stain contributes. So when I say challenge, I I, want to balance that with the fact that I do think GCU is by far the best team in the conference. But Stephen F. Austin, you know, they might give them some good games, and I think they could be a game or two behind GCU uh, sometime in in early February, maybe late January, when we're really fixated on standings. But GCU is going to win this conference. Uh, I do like what Stephen F. Austin can bring to the table, though, especially Frank Stain. Last but not least, here in the WAC, we're going to go with Dewan Gordon. He started, he's well traveled. Started at Mizzou, 
went over to Kansas State. So he has high major potential and ability. And he went to New Mexico State last year. And if you remember, New Mexico State last year was a complete, utter disaster. Whatever you want to call it, anything negative you want to call it, that's what it was. He's going to be hungry after uh, last year. I almost don't even want to look at his stats from last year because you have to take it with more than just a, a grain of salt. Like I think the last six games they had to forfeit. I'm rooting for this guy. I'm rooting for uh, everything that, that took place, you know, from New Mexico state. Again, I don't know the full details of who was involved and whatnot, but Dewan Gordon, I'm hoping he can He can find some stability and really find a home um, for, uh, for, for his program. Right. Like I, I just, I'm hoping that there can be some sort of consistency for this young man. Uh, so as it relates to the transfers, I'm going to go with Philip Russell, Brett Brantley, Stevenson, Drake Allen, Frank Stain, and Dewan Gordon. All right, let's move on to our last conference here. The West coast conference. Two of the best teams coming out of this conference here. And it's the same question we have every single offseason going into the season for the WCC. Who's going to win? Is it either Gonzaga or is it St. Mary's? I'm going to go with St. Mary's here. It's been just over a decade since they last won it outright. And I'm going to be fun. I'm going to say they're going to win it outright this season. The Gales have sole control of the title in the WCC. They're one of the best teams in the country. You know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for point guard play and I love Aiden Mahaney. He had a couple of electric games like must see television, stay up to watch this kid, stay up to watch the Gales. Mitchell Saxon has been such a productive big man over the course of his career. And let's not forget about Mason Forbes, Mason Forbes, the transfer can certainly make an impact for the Gales. I like the composition of this team. What can you say about Randy Bennett? Just a tremendous coach. Still somehow, some way, one of the most underrated in the entire in the entire country. But I'm going to go with the Gales here to win it, to win it outright uh, because of three guys. Aiden Mahaney, Mitchell Saxon, I suppose four. Alex Dukas is very good. But also uh, Randy Bennett. Coach of the year, I got to go Coach Bennett again. Um I think if you win outright and if you beat Gonzaga outright in the regular season, you should get the the award for coach of the year. And it's always going to be back and forth between him and him and, and, and Mark few credit to Damon Stoudemire. I think he's the last one to win it uh, with Pacific when they had a pretty solid season. And now he's over at Georgia tech. So Damon obviously parlayed that very well and played his hand very well. But I think Randy Bennett ends up winning coach of the year here. I think I'm just more excited and more looking forward to seeing some other coaches. Maybe at least push Mark Few and Randy Bennett. Player of the year. Let's move on now to player of the year in the West Coast Conference. I got to go with Anton Watson. He's had a really underrated career at Gonzaga, if you think about it. And that kind of will happen if you're playing in the shadow of Drew Timmy. Uh but Anton Watson, I'm looking at him, and he could be a 20 and eight kind of guy. And I shouldn't just say Drew Timmy. Gonzaga's had some amazing talent over the last few years. He's the only senior on the team, so with the 
with the awards going to Randy Bennett and St. Mary's. I had to squeeze in a Gonzaga guy. So I'm going to go with Anton Watson here. Uh, the all transfer team got to start with Graham EK long lean guy coming over from Wyoming. We've seen how he can contribute at a high level and he can contribute to a winner, which is exactly what Mark few and the Gonzaga Bulldogs are. They're winners. All right. So Graham EK and any transfer that comes over, there's no, there's no adjustment period or anything like that. You got to, you got to contribute to winning. And Graham EK has done that uh, with Wyoming. Same thing with Ryan Nemhard coming off of an electric run with Creighton, the best season in Creighton's basketball history. Ryan Nemhard looking to fill the the role of his brother, uh, who's a year removed from the program. I'm excited to see him. There's not a ton to break down. I think we know who Ryan Nemhard is. I think we know what a big loss that was for Creighton. I'm expecting the Blue Jays to be just fine, but this is a huge pickup for Mark Few. I think a lot of folks entering this season, it's kind of been this way the last few years where people are wondering if, if Mark Few is able to continue to reload Give it a minute or two, folks. Like, give it more than just a week after the NCAA tournament or the Final Four and let Mark View do his thing. Uh, He brings in EK and Nemhard, who are huge. Don't don't forget Steel Venters as well, who's not on my list just because I needed to vary it up just a little bit. Uh, But Steel Venters is a tremendous product as well. Justin Wright. Transfer from NC Central to Loyola Marymount. I, I want to include him and highlight him. Jalen Benjamin coming over from UAB. Uh, then he goes to Mount St. Mary's, and now he's at Santa Clara. If your name's Jalen and you played at Santa, Santa Clara, usually means good things, especially recently. Will Johnston, UT Rio Grande transfer now at Loyola Marymount. So wanted to give those guys some shine. But like I said, the the transfers in the WCC have been highlighted uh, by, by Gonzaga. And that shouldn't shock anyone. The Zags are now uh, and have been for a few years now a uh, destination. That's, that's exactly what they are. My, my body might go into shock, though, when I see Gonzaga tip off and Drew Timmy's not out there. It is going to be shocking to not see Drew Timmy play basketball for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Refreshing because of how damn good he was. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some fresh blood, but nonetheless, very, very surprising and shocking uh, to not see him. All right. That is our mid-major part two preview few other news and notes that I think we should hit on first and foremost, uh, Louisville. I mentioned this a little bit last episode, but Louisville losing to Kentucky Wesleyan, man. Kenny Payne. Mm. I don't take anything from secret scrimmages. I think it's fun and funny when people overreact for the sake of overreacting. If you take anything from secret scrimmages or scrimmages in general, seriously, like unironically, uh, go seek help, I suppose. I don't know. I just wouldn't do that if I were you. But if you're a Louisville fan, do whatever you need to do with this information. Because when you're Louisville and you're supposed to be good, like, I think people are forgetting what the expectations are at Louisville and the fact that they're a top 10 to 12 program ever. When you're Louisville, you're supposed to be 
a sweet 16 elite eight type of team every single year. Now we're hoping for double digit wins in a season. It was an abject disaster last season. And so if you're Kenny Payne in the, in the program, there's going to be some very watchful eyes on how you're performing in the preseason and you lose to a middling D2 team in Kentucky Wesleyan. So I'm going to make fun of a lot of folks that overreact and take too much from secret scrimmages. I'm not going to do that for the Louisville faithful. The microscope is huge on Kenny Payne. You, you can ill afford these losses. Matt Painter can afford it. And he's one of the most scrutinized coaches in the entire country. Shaka smart. You can, that's fine because we've seen what they can do recently. I don't like if, if, if Marquette and, and Kansas and these teams that suffer losses in scrimmages, I can, I've, I've seen the body of work in the previous seasons where I'm comfortable enough to say they'll be fine in the regular season. This is the crux of my point. I know they'll be fine. Marquette's going to be just fine in the big East. Kansas is going to be just fine in the big 12. Okay. Is Louisville going to be just fine? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, uh, there's nothing for me to say, no, 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 just trust me, bro. Just trust me. There's nothing for me to say that. So Louisville fans, you guys might have to really enjoy football season and squeeze every last drop of it out. There's, there's serious potential for you to go to the ACC title game in football. Because the second that's done, I don't know if college basketball is going to be a fun season again. We'll see what happens with Kenny Payne. Other news and notes, Kirk Creesa suspended nine games from West Virginia for impermissible benefits at Arizona. I don't know what the details are. Again, all this stuff, when you talk about impermissible benefits in the year of our Lord 2023, I, I roll my eyes, I yawn, I fart at you, all of that. Like, who cares, man? This is not needle moving. It sucks for West Virginia. It sucks for Kirk Risa, absolutely. But if you're expecting some sort of scandal or if you think this is some sort of gotcha moment, you're sorely mistaken. If I were to speculate, which is probably not a good thing to do, but if I were to speculate, I have to think it has something to do with um, a foreign player and NIL benefits, which is, you know, like I said, impermissible benefits in NIL era is just so foolish. I, just, I don't care. I don't care. I'm covering it because nine games is a lot for a basketball player. And West Virginia needs Kirk Creesa. He was part of the equation. But this is one of the most hellacious off seasons I can remember in Morgantown. Bookended by a Bob Huggins fiasco. And now this really terrible news for Kirk Carissa, who we've given our fair share of grief to made. We've, we've had fun, but you know what? Kirk Carissa is a, a solid player and he has fun with it as well. He embraces being the villain. He's good for college basketball. 
not only from a on-court perspective, but also just who he is as a person. And I never wanted to see him get suspended. That absolutely stinks. And it's probably for something that nobody cares about. That's really not even impacting the integrity of the game. So I feel for Kirk Creesa, feel for West Virginia. I think people are still saying they're going to be a 20 plus one team. I, I don't know. I just, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of obstacles for the Mountaineers to overcome. And this is just another one for them. I would also say Kirk Creesa, man, I, I appreciate his love for college basketball. I'm always going to be a college basketball backer. I kind of wish just for him, I kind of wish he just went pro in Europe. He's good enough to be a pro in Europe. I kind of wish he just did that so he could bypass all of this nonsense because it's been an up and down career for Kirk Creesa. I mean, he was originally recruited by Sean Miller, entered his name in the transfer portal actually the year prior to Tommy Lloyd coming or like that during that transition, Tommy Lloyd had to re-recruit him. He does come back. Now goes to West Virginia. Bob Huggins thing still pledges allegiance to the Mountaineer program. And now he's out for, for nine games. Just, just very messy. I kind of wish that Kirk Risa could excel uh, in the pros. But we'll see him back on the court after after nine games and we'll see how West Virginia Hangs without him, I suppose. All right. We are going to get on out of here. I know it's an abbreviated episode, but this is the best I could do going solo, folks. We have tip coming up. Next episode, we're going to have actual games that we can react to. We are going to have Taylor back. We are going to have uh, overreactions, I'm sure, which I'm excited about. But before we get on out of here, I do this every single season last episode of the off season, I have to give one more shout out and I'll be sure to do this on Twitter, but I have to give one more shout out to all of our amazing guests that came onto theater and college hoops this season. So right after UConn won the title, I reached out to Josh Cohen transfer over at UMass. Who's going to be amazing. He put your stock in this kid. He's got the right attitude. He's got all the skill in the world. He's got the mental toughness and the mental fortitude. Josh Cohen, thank you for coming on to Titch and kicking off the offseason. I mean, that was such an awesome, awesome conversation. Remember, he wants to go to the NCAA tournament. That's his goal. Let's see if he's able to achieve that. Rocco Miller, one of the brightest minds in this game covering the sport, a schedule master. It was so fascinating how he liaises between teams and sets up some of our favorite matchups that – that we were able to watch on TV. Rocco was such a gem and a, and a, and a real treat to, to speak with. So Rocco, thank you for coming on. Tobias Bass, who we will be getting on during the season. Cannot wait to reconnect with him. Does tremendous work for The Athletic. Had a great time chatting with Tobias. Thank you again for jumping on. Casey Shaw, my Southwest Ohio guy from Lebanon, doing tremendous work down at GCU. I talked about him uh, when I was given my whack preview, but Casey Shaw, I remember having some hilarious conversations with him about how he has progressed through his coaching career, but also the ties that he has with the Drew family. It's really, really interesting. Casey, thank you so much for jumping on. Best of luck to the Lopes. John Fleming over at Kent State. That was a blast to speak with. I follow him on Instagram and 
he's doing, he's had a great off season and I know Kent state and, and send off like they're, they're coming again. They're coming again next season and they're building a foundation and they're building something great in Kent, Ohio. So John Fleming, thank you so much. Luke Gore. Great voice. Let me start with that. Great audio voice uh, for Luke Gore. When we last spoke with him, he was making his way from Valpo to Wichita. Another guy that has uh, drew family connections, but he is now at Wichita State. Let's see what Wichita State can do moving forward uh, under a new regime. That's going to be really exciting to see. But Luke Gore, one of the nicest guys in the business. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he said after the interview and then in our email communication when he kept saying, anything you need me to do, I'm happy to do it. So Luke Gore, best of luck to you and the Shockers. Jalen Avery, one of John Fleming's boys, tight-knit, close, Another Kent State guy, but he's doing tremendous work at Stony Brook. I I spoke a little bit about him uh, during our CAA discussion. So Jalen Avery, had a blast chatting with him. Thank you so much for coming on. Brett McConnell, man, that was one of the most fun interviews we did, honestly, in the entirety of Titch, in its entire life. Brett McConnell, one of the sharpest minds. He will be a head coach someday. I said this last episode. I've said it a few episodes Brett McConnell is going to be leading up one of your favorite teams, college basketball teams. And the conversation we had about that Princeton, Arizona game, him taking us behind the curtains of the Tigers sweet 16 run was nothing short of fascinating. So Brett McConnell, best of luck in the Ivy to you and the Tigers. Hey, Ben Gonzalez, a young and up and coming stud in the coaching game. Best of luck to you and Georgia. We're going to be excited to, to watch what SEC Hoops has in store for us. Ben Gonzalez uh, had, a, had a really good time chatting with him about how he gets his start at Florida and now taking his talents to Athens alongside Mike White. Watch out for the Bulldogs. All right, they may surprise people. And that might be a direct result of, uh, of Ben Gonzalez. Isaiah Wilkins. I don't know if we've ever been that close to such a successful player than Isaiah Wilkins, man. I mean, the amount of wins that him and Virginia racked up was truly ear-blowing, mind-blowing to hear. Uh, it was awesome, though. What a, what a fantastic interview that was, and we're wishing him all the best at his alma mater as he's on the coaching staff for the Cavaliers. We'll see how they do in the ACC. So, Isaiah, thank you. Eric Haslam. Just a few weeks ago, what a funny, funny, entertaining guy, numbers guru. Uh, I've started following him a little bit before and obviously after the interview, and he's just hilarious. Give him a follow for good humor, for good college basketball humor. He's, uh, he's He thinks a lot of, of what I think, and that is, you know, are we really getting that excited for, uh, for secret scrimmages and whatnot? But Eric Haslam had a wonderful conversation with him. Cannot wait to continue to follow his work throughout the season to see how some of these teams ebb and flow and change based on the numbers. So, Eric, thank you for jumping on. Last but not least, Paul Fritschner, last episode we had. Cannot wait to see what Xavier has in store for a repeat season of last year, potentially. So much roster turnover, but make sure you follow Paul and consume his content. Listen to the Sean Miller podcast. He is another up-and-coming stud 
in the broadcasting space. We mentioned a little bit about John Fanta. I think Fanta's arrived. I think he's pretty established. Next up, Paul Frischner. So thank you to Paul for uh, for jumping on. Just to recap, Josh Cohen, Rocco Miller, Tobias Bass, Casey Shaw, John Fleming, Luke Gore, Jalen Avery, Brett McConnell, Ben Gonzalez, Isaiah Wilkins, Eric Haslam, and Paul Frischner. Thank you so much for coming on to Theater and College Hoops and spending time with us. I also want to say how proud I am of me and Taylor. That's a lot of names. That's a lot of names that that we were able to get on. And we push the content forward this offseason. College basketball is not a a realm or podcast space where you see a lot of content being pushed in the offseason. Really proud of mine and Taylor's work. And I'm proud of the guests that that we had on. Onwards and upwards. I cannot wait. We got tip Monday the 6th. Thank you all so much for bearing with us this offseason. Let's go, let's go watch the regular season now. All right. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.